It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aha, uh-huh, aha, uh-huh, aha, uh-huh. aha. Yeah! What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 748 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, July the 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We have lots of great stuff on tap for you as sports return literally today baseball is happening today the blue jays have no idea where they're playing they're just like a team of vagrants just like floating about america right now but uh still the they're the baseball is starting the blue jays play tomorrow a real game in tampa bay i don't know how it's happening but it is and if you are interested in the start of baseball or the start of any of the sports make sure you're checking out the uh corresponding local shows covering those teams on the lockdown podcast network and uh thank you for doing that and leaving ratings and reviews and all that good stuff All right, on today's show, we are continuing our Pressing Questions, Pressing Bubble Questions series that we started yesterday with Brad Vermont from Too Much Hoops. If you have not yet listened, go check that out as we talked about the key reserves for the Raptors and what their roles may be in the playoffs. Today, we're going to dive into another pressing question, maybe the pressing question facing the Raptors as we try to figure out if they are a legitimate title contender, a cute sort of fringy title contender, or not a title contender at all. And that is to do with the Raptors' half-court offense and whether or not it can survive uh, the rigors of a playoff series against very good defenses. And joining me on today's show to talk about that and some other stuff as well because we actually had like real on-court basketball take place yesterday that we'll probably talk about. It is our pal from the Dishes and Dimes podcast Yasmin what's going on Yasmin not much thanks for having me much to discuss about the Raptors offense yeah it's a it's a very interesting conversation for sure uh before we get into that Yasmin uh there was some basketball that took place yesterday I I, you know air quotes basketball that took place yesterday these 40 minute (laughs) scrimmages uh between like the Denver Nuggets rolling out small forward bull bull and, uh, you know, Nikola Jokic playing point guard, Paul Millsap being the smallest player on the floor at 6'8". We had the Clippers play a game yesterday. Um, the Miami Heat did, like, this weird thing where they had, like, a college crowd atmosphere on the weird wraparound video board. That's that was the- very odd. It's odd, but I want to ask you about that because I think it's cool and I want them to do more of it and, like, lean into it harder. And we talked about this on uh, Basketball <laughs> with myself and Katie today if you want to go listen to a longer conversation about that, but... 
in terms of this board thing, it does seem like maybe a way that teams can sort of have a bit of a home court advantage, sort of, I don't know, um, where like the Heat had, like they were the home team, so it was their video board and they were cheering on the Heat when they were hitting baskets and just like playing defense and stuff like that. My question to you, Yasmin, is if the Raptors were to utilize this video board in a similar way, what would you like to see put in there as a way to build an advantage for the Raptors? Um, I think they can maybe pull some of the um, Jurassic Park footage from across Ooh. Canada. I think that mm-hmm. would be cool because there's a lot of aerial shots and stuff of those crowds. Uh, someone mentioned that it was such an odd zoom in for the Miami Heat crowd. Like they had to make it look more filled <laughs> because their seats aren't typically filled in real life. So they had to kind of zoom into a section of the audience. So it just looked like giant people (laughs) cheering on the boards. (laughs) It it looked very visually strange. I think the Raptors can pull crowds big enough to uh, make those screens look a little less odd. But I I also like a lot of people are kind of um, iffy on the setup. I actually really like the setup with the giant screens and having the team logos and the team um, uh, slogan all over the, all over the place. I think it's a cool effect. Um, but yeah, I think there, I think I would like to see the Jurassic Park footage, like the outdoor footage um, on those screens. That's a really good one. I like that a lot. I think, um, you know, again, I'm with you in that, you know, there are some people out there who are very angry that they're not getting the distilled, you know, silent basketball that they really seem to be fawning over for some reason. Yeah. Um, the novelty <laughs> of that will wear off quite quickly, I think. It'll just become like sad and morose. Um, I am quite ready for like them to just lean into this video board thing because it like add some normalcy while also underscoring the absurdity of the entire thing. And I think that's cool. Um, the fact that it was like a college like looking crowd for the heat game because you yeah. can't conjure a good enough crowd shot to, <laughs> uh, to support them is really funny. Um, but yeah, the Jurassic park stuff is a great idea. I also like would like to see some Raptor skits and stuff like that in the breaks. Uh, just have him doing his thing on the weird uh, wraparound video board thingy. It's uh I don't know. It's very weird. I don't know how I feel about it just yet. I still think the whole thing is pretty gross, but you know, I'm finding myself getting excited at these little stupid, uh, nonsensical things. It's hard not to, it's hard not to, you can't like feel bad about it because at the end of the day, it's like you're seeing your favorite entertainer Mm -hmm. on TV again. Like it's kind of hard not to be entertained. (laughs) Yeah. And like you, I think it's possible to separate it, right. And be like excited to watch the players who you appreciate and love, play the game that they are like they have signed up to go and play like most of them want to be there from the sounds yeah, of it yeah. and so there's that while also sort of uh, I think reckoning with the uh, really gross capitalistic overtones to everything and the billionaire owners getting 50% of the money these players are bringing in um, that's that's gross but you know yeah. the, the players on the court that's the stuff we like that's the stuff we can get excited about uh, and we get to watch the Raptors tomorrow in a preseason game on Friday I don't know if we're going to get answers as to what the half court offense looks like again against the Rockets in the preseason. But um, do you have anything you're looking for going into that game uh, tomorrow, Yasmin? Um, I'm going to be keeping an eye on the Saul. I think that's something easy that we can just keep an eye on that I think would be telling even in a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that they're not even calling it preseason. It's just a scrimmage. Like They're trying to find <laughs> something even less important than a preseason game <laughs> somehow but scrimmage I think conveys that but like I I think something easy that we can keep an eye on that would be telling more so than the offense or anything like that which won't give us any information in a scrimmage but I think we can keep an eye on Gasol just seeing um his mobility his um interactiveness with the mm-hmm. offense uh, I think that was 
that's what kind of makes it hard to assess the Raptors offense. Like I think they're ranked, what I think it's 14th in the NBA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they're the 14th ranked offense in the NBA right now. And a lot of people point to the fact that, that the roster has been so inconsistent this season, which is totally valid. And also Marcus Hall's absence, like he's played a fraction of the games this, this season. Um, so uh, it, it, I think that would tell us about his level of engagement in the offense um, because with Marcus all he's it, it's hard to convey how important he is to the Raptors offense because it doesn't show up in the numbers in the raw numbers. Um, you really have to look into it and honestly give it the eye test because that's what will tell you the information about how vital he is to the Raptors offense, the Raptors half court offense, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those things that you, you will see that in a scrimmage, you will see um, how the Raptors play off of him. So I think that's something we can uh, keep an eye on, uh, keep an eye out for. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, uh, and I just like to see just how spry he looks too. will be uh, yeah. like to see if all the hype was real, all the muscle watch hype was, uh, was founded <laughs> in some sort of reality. Um, I also my think, favorite thing too. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. My favorite thing that has emerged from this is like his discomfort about talking about his body. <laughs> Cause like at the end of the day, like they are players and they play a sport that makes us keep an eye on their health and their physical fitness. But like, Mark is just so utterly uncomfortable. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Mike Ganter, Gumby. We love Mike Ganter. He's the best, but uh, he uh, was, I think a victim of Marcus Saul's reticence to talk about that on a, his press conference <laughs> earlier in the week where he was like, how much have you lost? He's like, Oh, I lost an amount. It was a certain, <laughs> I don't know. Next question, please. And then there was another weight question and he was like, yeah, Oh God, I feel good. It's fine. <laughs> so, Can you imagine yourself in that position? Oh, I would just cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah imagine it's like yeah the most awkward like conference call you've experienced in quarantine Jeez. but amplified because it's posted on the raptors website um <laughs> another thing i'm excited about for the scrimmage tomorrow too is just like uh, you know pascal siakam always seems to add something when he's got some time to hang out and screw around and i'm kind of curious to see if he like flashes some mid-range and stuff like that yeah yeah same but it, what's interesting is that um prior to like training camp he spoke about how he has barely played um in like a in a um practice capacity like he hasn't gotten shots up even though he's been maintaining his body so mm-hmm. i'm very interested to see if he'll get back into the swing of things because pascal's so unique in the sense that i feel like his his muscle memory isn't the same as someone who may have been playing since they were six years old right so i'm just i i would like to see how much he's retained if he looks like he's right back into the swing of things um, I, I, I personally think he'll be completely fine. Like, I think he'll just get right back into it. Three months is it's a lot of time, but um, I feel like with this time that he's had, they've had now, uh, I think about a month starting tomorrow, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, of just um, shooting and getting back into things. Um, I think he'll be fine, but that's also something to keep an eye on uh, just to see his level of comfort back on the court. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Pascal is, I think, central to the question that we are going to address on today's show coming up in just a second as we're going to dive into the Raptors half-court offense, and he seems uh, kind of important for that conversation, but we're going to get to that yeah. uh, after I first tell you about rockauto.com, which is uh, a, a site that I erroneously did not use yesterday, and I'm paying for it today, and I've been paying for it for a while because I had to get a bunch of stuff fixed on my car yesterday before a long road trip, and uh, I decided not to go to rockauto.com to get all of the parts I needed uh, after 
after hearing of what needed to be fixed. And that was silly because I, I spent far too much money. You don't want to spend as much money as I did on my car. So you should be going to rockauto.com right now for any car parts that you need. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate as well. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much money for the same parts like I did yesterday, like a dummy? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and also write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Yasmin, let's dive into the question of today. Do the Raptors have the juice in the half court to hang in the postseason against very good defenses? Uh, this has been covered, uh, I think, at length by a number of people. I've got a piece from Lewis Zatzman up from Raptors Republic right now, uh, sort of going through some of the numbers. Basically, the Raptors are a pretty good offense. You know, you mentioned earlier on the number 14. Uh, I think that's per cleaning the glass on NBA.com. They're in 12th, but there's not a lot of difference between like 4th and 15th in the NBA right now. The 4th place Lakers only have a two-point edge on the 15th place Pelicans when it comes to offensive rating. Um, so, like, all these teams are very good at offense. Most teams in the NBA are very good at offense right now, yeah, as it turns yeah. out. And so, you know, there's like, you can get upset and say, oh, they're 14th. That's, that's, that's terrifying. But they're like one really good game away from being seventh kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. With the reseeding games, this could honestly change. Yeah, absolutely. Especially <laughs> so. if like some teams are uh, actively not trying on defense, which could very yeah. well happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So with the, with their defensive, with the, with their sorry offensive ranking um it's it's really hard to gauge because of the um issues with injury this season like it yeah. can't be understated like considering how much time um i feel like the most important offensive players have missed like kyle lowry pascal siakov and marco Gasol, and norman powell like you can't understate how valuable norman powell is for the bench offense for providing the raptors with that half court scoring wing that can score on all three levels at a mm -hmm. at a really good percentage. Um, his absence has been like deeply felt, in my opinion. Um, it's I think sometimes forced um, Fred VanVleet to overextend or um, forced them to uh, I think give more run to Terrence Davis, who's still a rookie. So um, I I feel like 
having Norman Powell at full health, having Marcus at full health, having Pascal and Larry present changes the, um, I think, the complexion of the offense a lot. Um, and uh, like, I would, I would, I, I wish I could project what the what the offense uh, offensive ranking would be if they were semi healthy all season so <laughs> there's no way to do that but I feel like when everybody is available their offense has so many it's very dynamic that's the best way to describe it they have a lot of options if you um, look at it from a half court sense you have the um, like a split cut action with Marcus all at the corner and you have um, usually um, Pascal and Norm it tends to be um, setting screens and whatnot and then cutting towards the basket like that's something they go to several times, sometimes multiple times in a row on just like a just a few minute stretch of play. Um, and then you have uh, Pascal doing his ISO. He's like one of the most ISO heavy players in the NBA. I didn't know how ISO heavy he was until I actually saw it in context. The only people that are more ISO heavy than Pascal are um, Harden, Russ, LeBron, I think, and maybe one more other person, but he's really up there in terms of ISO play. Um, and then you have um, Kyle and the um, pick and roll with Surge, which is also a very high percentage play. Uh, very difficult to stop, mm-hmm. especially in, in the context of the other teams that the Raptors would be contending against. So if you look at how uh, a team like the Miami Heat would stop that play, like who is there, um, who would be likely guarding Kyle? So in the in the context of Miami, it would probably be. Um, uh, Drogic or Tyler Hero or Kendrick Nunn mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, dealing with Kyle or maybe even Jimmy Butler. But even then, um, with a pick and roll with Surge, um, the contrast makes it so that um, it's always a mismatch. So he always has a clear shot. It's a very unstoppable play. Um, and so when you, when you think about how dynamic the Raptors' um, offense is, and that doesn't even go into what Norm can do. So that's another whole um other um side to this so when you um look at their options to me i see a very um multifaceted offense that can deal with multiple styles of defense so when you uh, look at in the context of the uh playoffs and their likely competition i feel like the raptors have enough um options where they can deal with whatever the opposition will throw at them. So if you mm-hmm. want to assess, I think, the success level of a team's offense and you look at um, their options of what they can do when everything goes wrong, I feel like that is telling. And the Raptors have that. They have things they can do when everything goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a couple of things that give me some belief that things <clears throat> are going to improve, you know, in terms of just like uh, – their numbers or whatever when you get when you get to the postseason the numbers obviously don't matter as much in the grand scheme of 30 teams down to 16 or whatever but in terms of just like it's health having all of your players available is really important because like I like what you said it's a very dynamic offense that can do a bunch of different things that kind of pull parts from a lot of the offenses that have had a lot of success in recent years right they can run high pick and roll and spread things around like they're the Mavericks or the Rockets where you know that it's you know and you can kind of run funky pick and rolls like that too with like Pascal ball handling and things like that like that's something they're quite at home doing um, you know, they, they don't necessarily have like a lob catcher, but they can spread the floor. The pick and pop game is incredible. Um, you can run sort of the more like 
I think of like the Utah Jazz, you know, sort of a couple of years ago, maybe like before Donovan Mitchell kind of came in, where they just ran like these very like elaborate sets to get looks at, you know, it would take 18 seconds off the clock. The Raptors can absolutely do that because they have a lot of good off-ball movers, great cutters. Uh, you know, you've got Gasol hanging out of the elbow, which sort of, you know, frees up motion elsewhere. Uh, and so they have that. I mean, they have the very quick strike off-ball stuff that they can run. You know, when Kyle's not on the ball flying around screens like he's Steph Curry, they can run that Warriors-like stuff. And then they can just, yeah, they can kind of bludgeon you by just throwing it to Pascal. And, you know, I think that is a really interesting sort of wrinkle because we don't know yet. I know he's been very ISO heavy, as you mentioned. We don't know yet what, you know, Pascal Siakam ISOing in the playoffs is going to look like. And if that's going yeah. to be sort of a, a trump card for a defense like we saw last year with Kawhi Leonard, where, you know, for example, the Milwaukee Bucks, so happy to give up the mid-range. And I think, like, that's where Serge Ibaka, as we talked about in yesterday's show with Brad, comes in in a big way because of, you know, his mid-range proficiency. Those are shots the Bucks are going to give up. Is Pascal Siakam able to sort of step up? And that's kind of why I'm fascinated to see how much he's been screwed around with that in the preseason and in these eight-game lead-up because, or this eight-game lead-up, because you know that is going to be the key to solving a lot of these playoff defenses, taking advantage of the soft spots in the mid-range that Kawhi Leonard was uh, the best in the world at last year and was a yeah. big reason why they were able to win. Um, so on the note of Pascal, and I guess on the note of, you know, that, that sort of ISO style of game that becomes kind of important, I guess Norm becomes valuable there too. Do you think the Raptors have the juice for that or will they have to go to some other methods to try to get dudes open in clutch times where you want to have ball security you don't want to be running these elaborate plays um yeah. and are, you kind of would just rather throw it to a guy and see if he can score yeah um i think um when it comes to a talent like Kawhi leonard and when it comes to that um mid-range proficiency i feel like it's rare enough of a talent that it's okay not to have to rely on it Mm -hmm. Meaning that if you, I feel like if the crux of your offense falls on your superstar's ability to hit mid-rangers, then it's like your offense might not be very good to begin with. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so when it comes to uh, that skill set that belongs to a very few superstar players hitting um, mid-range shots at a percentage good enough where you won't roll your eyes, um, I feel like uh, I feel like it won't. It shouldn't come down to that. But if the Raptors find themselves in a position where um, it's the only thing available, then yeah, I think they would have to rely on uh, pick and pop with Serge or with Norman Powell. Because mm -hmm. I feel like the strength of the Raptors' um, matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks, I feel like the, their successes all fell on the fact that they hit three-point shots. You know what I mean? Um, Kawhi was taking advantage of the pick and roll and getting the switch onto Brook Lopez. Kyle was on one that entire season. His shot was falling. Um, I think it'll come down to the Raptors' three-point shooting. And the, the fact of the matter is that they're an excellent three-point shooting team where mm -hmm. almost every player in the main rotation hits three-pointers at a high clip. And it all, I, I think, yeah, it comes down to... Um, it, it honestly comes down to the smartest player on the court. And when the smartest player on the court is Kyle Lowry, where he can easily see what point of the, um, cause it's one thing to have your coach tell you to do something, but when it comes to being on the floor, if you see your star player exploiting what needs to be exploited um, for the other team, for on the other team, um, then you will have successes. So I think if, 
Um, I feel like if the Raptors get into a matchup with the Bucks, using your example, mm-hmm. um, I think it'll fall on um, everyone kind of taking cues from Kyle. Uh, I feel like I feel like that's going to be the case for a lot of the playoffs because this is Pascal's year as the number one option for the first time and leading this team to um, the postseason. So I, I feel like although he may be our lead scorer in a lot of cases, I feel like it'll all come down to um, – the cues that Kyle lays out. And luckily enough, I feel like he's just so knowledgeable of various types of defensive styles and knowing their weaknesses and knowing the systems of various teams um, and finding their holes and their um, blind spots where um, I feel like if um, Paso kind of uh, takes um, the cues from the leader of the team, I feel like I feel like they have um, opportunity. I think, mm-hmm. I think they have opportunity when it comes to that. Yeah, all excellent points, and I want to expand upon those in just a second. But first, I want to remind people to check out all the Locked On Podcast Network shows, including for the Toronto sports teams, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Toronto Maple Leafs, Locked On Leafs and Locked On Jays with Mike DiStefano and AJ Andrews, respectively. Please go and listen to their shows as we gear up for the return of all Toronto sports, not just the Raptors. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Yasmin, I want to sort of go off on the Kyle Lowry thing because this is something that gives me a little bit more hope. But, you know, I'm a little bit skeptical of Pascal's ability to kind of, you know, exploit the mid-range and become, you know, even like 70% of what Kawhi was last year because that's just not his comfort zone just yet. You can see he's a little bit sort of unsure. He's got kind of flat-footed sometimes when he pulls up from mid-range. It's still something he's figuring out. And, you know, maybe he's figured it out in his living room uh, practicing on his door, door frame or whatever <laughs> the, the quarantine. But I'm going to bet against that. But the thing that gives me some hope is that, you know, because this is such a diverse offensive team that could do so many things, they have a lot of little pet sets they can go to that are just kind of instant buckets. And Kyle Lowry in particular creates a lot of those things. You mentioned the Serge Ibaka uh, pick and pop there. And I think the other thing to really keep in mind here is that the crunch time offense for the Raptors this season has been ridiculous. That's when things slow down. That's when things are in the half court. They're the number two offense in crunch time right now, 121.5 points per 100 possessions just behind the Oklahoma City Thunder. And they've been absurd and just kind of, you know, I think have answered a lot of questions in those times. And a lot of that has come down to just running Lowry Siakam pick and roll, whether it's Lowry screening for Siakam or vice versa. That play is just unstoppable. And maybe defenses over the course of a series can scheme for it, but there's just so much they can do out of that because both guys can handle the ball. Both guys can shoot. Both guys are happy to fire from above the break uh, as a pull-up. Like There's just like a lot of problems baked into that set in particular for defenses that it's really worked. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, just go off on that. 
Yeah, um, I think it. I think that um, play in particular, like I, I can talk nonstop about their crunch time offense um, because it's like the moment they become serious, like okay, let's get this dub. But um, when it w- because the whole game, the Raptors will just be trying stuff out, and then it seems they become serious in the final couple minutes. But um, when it comes to that uh, play in particular with um, Kyle screening for Pascal, they take advantage of the fact that. Um, a lot of teams usually have a weak point guard defender. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, Kyle knows that, and they both know that, and they give Pascal that advantage. Um, and it's interesting because if you watch a Celtics game, you'll see that uh, that pick and roll with Kemba uh, being used throughout the entirety of the game. So you see opportunities being created for Tatum continuously uh, mm-hmm. with those screens being set by whether it's uh, Tice, Daniel Tice, or whether it's Kemba. So seeing the Raptors actually create opportunity for Pascal so he doesn't have to result to using um, uh, ISO plays at the same rate as Russ is mm-hmm. really cool to see. So um, like that that play in particular is really awesome. And what I love about it is that it seems to be just as effective with Fred. So yeah. once in a while, I'd see it being used uh, with between Fred and Pascal, which is something that we could see for you know years in the future. So um, yeah, that's I, I love seeing that play. As it turns out, having a six foot nine dude who can shoot threes and handle the ball uh, is a little bit of a problem for defenses to deal with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of a nice thing to have. Um, what last note on on the offense, uh, Yasmin, and I think this is important too, is you know the bar the Raptors have to reach offensively. I don't think is as high as it would be for a team that is not the number two defensive team in the league that also is incredible defensively in crunch time and often their crunch time defense is just as effective for winning games as their crunch time offense. Offenses. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, because they're so good defensively uh, and because, you know, also a lot of their offensive potency comes from transition where they create a million live ball turnovers because they're maniacs um, yeah. and they get these long rebounds on threes they're contesting and they can run out off of those. I mean, because of that, like there's again, just like a little bit less of a bar you have to live up to as a half court offense. Obviously when things slow down and, and you know, the, the playoffs are a very different game, it'll put more onus on the, on the half court, but because their defense is so good, I'm less concerned about them becoming like a top five half court team. If they can, you know, nudge up from being 18th uh, in half court or, or 14th, if you uh, count out offensive rebounds and stuff like that, um, if you if they can, you know, bump up to like eighth or ninth, matched with their defense, I feel like that's kind of a pretty good winning formula. Yeah. I guess like the big thing here, <clears throat> Yasmin, is like the Bucks matchup. I think that's the most likely one to come across. I think with the Celtics, the size they have, the fact that there's no one who can really guard Pascal, I'm not terribly worried about them scoring in the half court against Boston, but we saw in the matchup this season against the Bucks uh, that they lost in Toronto uh, in February, I believe it was like that, that, Bucks half court defense is horrifying. Like they funnel the shots to where they should be. They funnel yeah. it to bad shooters. I guess the counter, as you mentioned, is the Raptors don't really have bad shooters, but you, you're kind of relying on everybody having like a Fred moment where they get unseasonably hot. If you want to really beat the Bucks in the series, uh, I'm just kind of curious, like what you think of that matchup in particular, as it pertains to the Raptors picking apart that extremely good Milwaukee defense. Yeah, um, you brought up a good point. They're, the Raptors defense does give them a really uh, big margin of error, I feel like, um, where they can bring um, great offenses down to their level a bit uh, and make it a competitive matchup um, continuously. It's like a whole other facet of basketball that isn't talked about enough where um, a good defense can make a great offense terrible. So 
Um, when it comes to the uh, Bucks matchup uh, in particular, it's yeah. When, whenever you see that half court um, defense from the Bucks, where they funnel everything towards Giannis, who's roaming, or Brooke Lopez, it's like it seems like all hope is lost. Um, but you know that February matchup was a funny one because I feel like the Raptors were playing like some of their best basketball in the first couple of. I feel like prior to the halftime, they were playing fantastic. And then, mm-hmm. uh, like, someone reminded me recently that Marcus Hall was not playing that game. So huh. I feel like, yeah, so I feel like um, when it comes to that matchup, that's a series where Kyle's going to be super important. Norm is going to be incredibly important. Um, I feel like if they can get Pascal um, advantageous looks, like having – him switch onto someone like Bledsoe, Bruce screens with Lowry or something, mm-hmm. forcing the um, uh, the Bucks to resort to having to switch like they did last year, where they had them switching uh, Brooke Lopez onto Kawhi Leonard for some reason, um, <laughs> forcing them out of their comfort zone because that's the one thing about Milwaukee is that the biggest critique seems to be for Budenholzer is forcing him to make changes to his system. Mm-hmm. When you do that, is they they're forced into making bad decisions. So. I feel like if the Raptors can make the Bucks uncomfortable and make them play a style of basketball that they're not used to and have them kind of bring their, um, you know, historic offense down a notch, you make the matchup far more competitive. And I feel like they're completely capable of doing so. So if it does become a showdown between um, Pascal and Giannis, then obviously, you know, the Bucks are going to win. And personally, I think that in that series, the Bucks do win, but um, it, I'm, I'm fully uh, confident that it's going to be a competitive series. Like, I feel like they're not going to be swept. Um, it's not going to be like a Celtics-Bucks matchup, of, you know, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Lowry is going to be super important. Norm, Gasol, and if they can just get Pascal advantageous looks and put him in good situations, then it's going to be a great series. Very well put. I think it's worth noting that Pascal is a much different beast to guard this year than he was last year as sort yeah. of a secondary option who was a you know, so-so three-point shooter, uh, mostly from the corners. He kind of has diversified his game to the point that it's going to be difficult. You know, I still think the Bucks' defense probably ends up solving the Raptors' offense at some point just because it's so good. But yeah. um, you know, there, there's, I think, reason to be hopeful that the offense will not be the thing that just like completely – drags the Raptors down and throws them out of a series the way, say, a couple years ago, their defense did against the Cavaliers, where they were so good all season long, they get to the playoffs and they don't have the horses to actually defend good offenses. Um, I think the Raptors, at least matched with their very good defense, will be able to uh, you know, keep games close against very good teams and not feel like they're completely falling out because every offensive possession is being kicked away. Um, Yasmin, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me. Do you have anything you would like to plug? Um, yeah, I'm going to plug my uh, online journal, The Neon Playbook, where it's I so write good. once a week. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> where once a week, I'll just write about basketball. I'll write about culture. Um, uh, it's just a place, kind of a hub of my thoughts. Um, and also, I'm going to be um, contrib- contributing um, every couple weeks to Yahoo about the remainder of this season. So I'll cover the Raptors. I'll cover um, NBA basketball in general until um i guess games have those finals so um yeah so keep an eye out for that that's amazing uh, i'd also recommend going and subscribing to the new dishes and dimes patreon you guys did an episode yes, yes, with yes, uh, kyle lowry's mom correct yes um kelsey and iman had an amazing interview with Ooh. marie holloway 
Um, she was so sweet, so honest. So I'd suggest everyone check out the Patreon page for $5 a month and you get exclusive content, more interviews, um, shout outs. So uh, check out the Patreon. Excellent. And uh, yeah, Neon Playbook is wonderful as well. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's very much appreciated when you take the time to do that. Also, please make sure you are checking out the uh, Basketball Podcast with myself and Katie Heindel. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash basketball. So go and sign up for a pair of wonderful basketball podcasts on Patreon uh, yes. to keep yourself entertained throughout the entirety of the bubble. And uh, we'd much appreciate your $4 over there to join our little community we got going fun episode coming out on thursday as well if you uh are interested in that uh that's gonna do it for today's show thank you so much for tuning in i'll be back again after the scrimmage on friday with a bit of a reaction podcast to talk about what we've seen tr- probably draw some grand conclusions about things that have taken place maybe slander the rockets a little bit i don't know it'll be fun and uh that'll come to you later on friday night until then thank you so much we'll talk to you with another episode on friday of locked on raptors hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast at Free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.